Come on. Quick ask before we get started today, I am working to help people lead happier and more contented lives. My part of that is money. So if you enjoyed today's episode or if you've enjoyed past episodes, please take a minute and leave a quick review on iTunes. Subscribe. That helps uh, the show climb up the rankings and helps more people uh, find it. So thanks a lot. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach to Personal Finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, a strong and powerful Genev Cadell. Genev, are you ready to do this? I am ready, George. Thanks so much for having me. Excellent. Let's do this. Genev is a psychologist. She is an author, the founder of MyBestRelationship.com. Her work has been featured in Care.com, the New York Post, the Huffington Post, Woman's Day, and many other outlets. She helps entrepreneurs, couples, and individuals reach their desires, desired levels of success. I'm excited to have you on. Genevieve, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. Well, I my personal life is at the heart of what I do. It's uh, um, I am happily married, and I've got two little kids, and we live in New Hampshire. We moved up here from New York City a couple years back to be closer to nature. So nice. we spent a lot. We've been spending a lot of time trying to force my kids to hike. <laughs> the little one is sort of like, oh, you know, she goes a little too far, and then it's like, oh. But anyway, we're having fun with that. Uh, it's been a beautiful summer. Um, in terms of my work, I became a psychologist because I've always been interested in, you know, potential and possibility and people breaking through their limits and all of that stuff. Um, but I wound up doing couples therapy sort of by accident. I never really had interest in relationships or anything like that, not knowing what I know now. Yeah. And so I had done a lot of work in hospitals. And, you know, with a lot of underprivileged populations, I was on a mobile crisis team in Brooklyn, you know, literally seeing people from all over the world, um, people with on the verge of homelessness or sometimes homeless psychosis, all of these things. And, you know, a little over a decade ago when I became licensed, I took a sort of side job doing some contracting work at a, you know, fairly upscale private practice in Manhattan working with pretty successful, wealthy couples. And I thought, oh, this is going to be like easy. Like, oh, this is going to be right. fine. I can just help them communicate. <laughs> I, you know, I they're got not, this. <laughs> right, exactly, right? They're not getting evicted. They don't have rears. No problem. But I was completely over my head. I had no idea what I was doing, despite having, you know, a doctorate and lots of training and working in family therapy and before. But I was just with these two professionals with scathing tongues who are literally in emotional war with each other. I just wanted to run out of the room. So I, mm. I did not do well those first couple months. And I sought out the best training there was to really learn about how to support people with relationships because I was just a, like a sinking ship. Right. So um, that's when I discovered something called emotionally focused therapy, which is um, it's created by a pioneering psychologist by the name of Sue Johnson, Dr. Sue Johnson. Um, and what I realized is sort of what we were talking about before um, was just how societally we've got this whole thing about relationships really upside down, this whole thing about independence and autonomy completely backwards. Um, and it sort of blew my mind because I've always been this sort of like historically, right, this, you know, uh, individualist, you know, rugged, whatever, like I don't need anybody type person. Yeah. And what I realized is that that's completely false. And 
and so I, I discovered this model of working with people and really supporting them in nurturing and fostering those connections and deepening them and helping people realize and well, I've realized at that moment it was like oh wow and it, it's like that's what we're wired for that's how we are as humans there's all kinds of science and research that proves that um, but so many of us are doing it backwards so anyway it sort of was a circuitous route to sort of eventually, you know, going back to really what I originally set out to do, which was really to help people, you know, with potential and possibilities and all the rest. But what I recognized was that the first and one of the most fundamental things we need to be able to do that is strong and secure relationships. And that's where I think so many people who consider themselves innovators or high performers or high achievers or people who are so driven by a mission in the world, uh, so many because of the messages that we've got backwards culturally, um, at least in Western culture, at least in our in the United States, um, they miss the boat on that. So without that sort of foundation, they can only go so far. So that's sort of a little bit about my work and what brought me to sort of work with um, couples and individuals to strengthen their relationships, especially um, people who are driven and ambitious and really want to make a difference in the world. Got it. Well, I appreciate that. There's a lot of really important stuff that you were just talking about. Um, I remember, and it, it's such a such a famous Harvard study that went over the course of 100 years. I'm not sure if it's still going on. I'm sure that you're aware of it, just how they yes. track these people. And the end result was what, the, what, what makes a happy and healthy life. And it's really the quality of, of our connections and our connectivity to the community and, and things like that is what really makes people happy. Um, and so, so I appreciate that so much. And we were talking a little bit um, before we got started today about how so many of the problems that we're facing as a country and probably a world, but certainly here in the United States, um, at every level. Um, yeah. From all the terrible shootings that we've just I mean we're recording this on Monday after uh, after the two mass shootings just took place and the tribalism yep. between Republican and Democrat and oh, everything else it. absolutely um, it feels like uh, it feels like we're suffering from this horrible lack of connection absolutely this division this sort of like separateness this isolation a hundred percent and and that's so much of you know it's been this it's just a backwards notion of who we are. It's just not who we are. <laughs> That's why we're falling apart, right? And, um, you know, what you said about the, the that study out of Harvard, the grant study, I mean, it's it's not just happiness. I mean, I think you said it as well. It's longevity. It's like dollars in the bank. It's meaning and it's fulfillment. It's everything. The the You know, they found in that study that predictors of health at – or the strength of one's relationships is so much more powerful than even like how much cholesterol somebody has at age 50. And, and, um, there's something else. Oh yeah. And loneliness, right. Is, 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 is as deadly as smoking or obesity, but now we're seeing it, you know, with, you know, with these mass shootings and everything else and just what's happening, it's like we're turning on each other big time. And, you know, that's just not how we're wired. Now, of course, we can talk about, you know, maybe sociopaths or people with brain damage or whatever. That's but but by far and large, um, by far and wide, we are wired to want to support each other, to connect, to um, to help each other out. We, we are born and this is, you know, just in terms of humans in general, we are born um, as social mammals, but especially humans, because, you know, 
children's heads are so large. We take extra time. We, we really have foster these connections. We need these connections from um, birth. And it was believed to just, you know, oh, at 18, it's like, oh, you're suddenly this fully formed mammal and you can spring from the nest and be on your own. But um, one of the pioneers, a really pivotal person in psychology in the history was by the name of John Bowlby. And he said, he was revolutionary in just getting children's needs met, but he said that we are wired for connection from the cradle to the grave. And and we're so starved of that. And, you know, even in, um, you may be familiar with this, in um, Great Britain, they named a prime minister of loneliness. Oh, right? wow. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, I mean, this happened, I think, last year. Um but until we sort of really foster these relationships and recognize that we have these needs and that we are interdependent, right, this kind of chaos is going to continue, right? This kind mm-hmm. of, um, you know, this, the, like you said about lack of community, um, I don't know if you've heard of the book. There's a book by um, – what's his name, Robert Putnam, it's called Bowling Alone, that just Mm -hmm. talks about this loss of social capital that we have. And as we see, you know, people have, you know, a thousand, five thousand Facebook friends or whatever. I like to say we're hyper connected in some ways, but in ways that really matter, we're very hypo connected. And it's, it's, it's not only deadly on a, you know, individual scale in terms of, you know, early uh, mortality and all the rest. But now, I mean, we see it like worldwide and look, I mean, the planet and not taking care of it. I mean, we could go on about that, but it's a problem. We're interdependent. We all are all connected and we need to take care of each other. (laughs) Yeah. And we're kind of failing miserably at it. No, I think we're absolutely failing miserably. And, and everything that everything, the deck is two degrees stacked against us with our cell phones and social media and with everything coming our way more so with artificial intelligence and augmented reality and everything else, it's going to get way worse instead of better. And I just saw something that 20% of millennials and whatever the generation after that feel like they have no friends at all. And I said to my wife this weekend, I said, I would not be surprised if that number doubles in the next five years. And it just keeps exponentially getting worse and worse. So, so that it's been, I'm just going to say it's certainly been proven that, that being connected, having strong relationships leads to not only uh, healthier relationships with friends and family, but also um, actual physical health, physical longevity, probably greater financial success. Uh, just being more connected is going to help you in every aspect of your lives. Do you think that people reject that, or is it just that a lot of the different a lot of the things that used to hold us together have fallen apart. I think that people reject it initially because it's so counter to what, how a lot of people have been brought up, not everybody, but how a lot of people have been brought up. It's also hard. It's difficult because really fostering deep and true connection requires vulnerability, which is really hard. Right. Um, and, you know, so many people are hiding behind their screens and their phones and it's, and like you said, right, we're being bombarded. So we're all, I mean, I can include myself to be a little bit addicted at times to the technology and all the rest. And it's a, right. I mean, here we are, right. I mean, um, so in terms of rejecting it, I don't think it's, I think it's what people long for more than anything, but it's just a different way of being that requires a lot of bravery 
in some ways because we don't know what we don't know, right? And yet we know it in our bones at the same time. So in terms of the things that held us together that are falling apart, um, I'd like to think that with all of this technology and all of these, you know, artificial intelligence, whatever, I mean, I know some of it is for good, right? Um, you know, for example, um, what you were saying about how strong connections are, you know, great for health and for longevity and for finances, it's all very, it's all proven. They've also in the last decade or so been able to actually do now that, the, now that we can, well, more than decade, but yeah, maybe about a, a little over a decade, they can do, you know, they've done some research on looking, looking into the human brain and seeing the effects, right? So um, there was an incredible study in 2013 done by Sue Johnson and um, a neuroscientist by the name of James Cohen and some other, some other people. And basically what they did was, and I, I'm not going to summarize it, I'm not going to just basically make it very brief. <laughs> you can sure. look it up on YouTube. It's called Soothing the Threatened Brain. There's a fantastic like three or four minute video. But basically they've shown that when when you have a stronger relationship and you have the support of a partner, it literally soothes our brain and makes – they look into the brain and they see fear and pain. Um, the fear and pain centers really soothed and lit up less when – you know, women are given a shock on their foot. So that's a very brief explanation of it. But I'd like to think this technology that's connecting you and I, that is, you know, that does have some role, I'd like to think we're going to figure out a way to kind of, <laughs> to kind of use it to our advantage. I think we're trying to do that right now. Right. Um, right. But I think some of the things that um, have fallen apart, have fallen away, like, you know, the bowling alleys or whatever Robert Putnam writes about, mm-hmm. um, the, the communities and all that. Um, I think people... I think it's, it's people, some people are still finding their way. And I think, you know, what we're doing is we're talking about the importance of doing that and the importance of people coming together and, and whether it is, you know, getting involved with, uh, you know, uh, an organization or, you know, if, if you're religious, a church or a temple or whatever it is, but just doing something so that you've got a hand in the community and, and, and also making sure to kind of, really, you know, for like, I've got young kids, right? So like, I'm very mind and I'm not perfect at this by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> the cell phones. I'm like, like you, you were saying you were, you told your wife, like, this is going to double about kids having no friends. Like I'm terrified for them. But yet at the same time, you know, I, 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 I know this stuff. I teach this stuff, but yet at the same time, I sometimes I'm like looking at my phone instead of them. So I have to be mindful of that. And I think, I think we all have to be mindful of that. And so, um, really, you know, taking family, if you have a family, right, taking family time, making sure that you're giving your kids that connection. And, you know, people think that just because, you know, they might be present with, and this is so true for kids and adults, right? I mean, your romantic partner as well as your children, but with the phones, like put them away. Um, when you're if just being present with somebody really isn't enough. And when I say present, physically present is what I mean. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm answering question. I'm kind of rambling here a bit, but, um, but I think that those things that used to hold us together, we have to actively seek them out and they are there and create them, right? I mean, it's on us and, and technology can help with that. That's one of the beautiful things that, you know, you can go to, you can join a meetup group or you can, you know, create your own meetup group if you don't see one that you like or whatever it is and get people together because they're starving for it. Yeah, I think you, there were a couple of important words that really jumped off the page. Uh, the first was bravery and just being brave and doing mm-hmm. things that are outside of our comfort zone and 
maybe becoming a little bit more outside of our comfort zones. I mean, yeah. I was raised before the internet and I'm, I'm 40 years old. And so, you know, interpersonal communication and I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty outgoing person too. So the thought of not being able to, to successfully have an, an, an interaction with somebody is silly to me. But I also am smart enough to realize that if you're not, if you don't have those skills or maybe you just never cultivated those, that it's going to take you being uncomfortable and you need some bravery to do those uncomfortable things like going to find a meetup or going to a new whatever it is, church, synagogue, religious organization. Put yourself in a position where you will be uncomfortable and meet new people. Absolutely. And even at home, too, right? This is where I think a lot of people stumble. And that's when they find their way to me years later, is that they sort of tolerate these um, disconnections in their most intimate relationships, and don't necessarily say anything about it, because they think, oh, I don't want to be needy, or I don't want to be weak, or I don't want to be, and I love this word, and I'm saying that with my tongue in cheek, codependent, hmm. Um the you know one of my favorite quotes from Sue Johnson is that there's no such thing as codependency there's only effective or ineffective dependency <laughs> so when when we can recognize that we as a species are wired to have literal emotional needs that are met by other people yes right we are not these i mean there's all this hype around self love and i think self love is awesome but it doesn't occur in a vacuum so we do have needs and so many people just sort of swallow them or brush them under the rug and, and act like there's no problem until there really is a big problem. And so I guess one of the things that requires a lot of bravery and courage as well in your close relationships is to speak up about how you really feel and tolerate the difficult conversations and recognize that there's no perfect way of doing this and it might rock the boat and, and you might ruffle some feathers, but you'd rather start the conversation before it's too late because, you know, a lot of times people wait till it's too late and it's too late. <laughs> and that's so. just, that's just the best advice right there. I mean, and shame on me because that's what I tell people all the time is it's focus on yourself. Make sure that you are, you are in the best possible position to be successful. Focus on your spouse, focus on your children, your immediate family, focus on the impact you can have in your community and if we all did that, then we'd probably be in a far better spot. So it's got to be getting home, right? It's it's everything you just talked about, and it's in those relationships. And again, sounds easy, does hard, but it sounds easy, right? right. <laughs> but that, but here's the beautiful thing, right? People people also, you know, um, they scandalize the word selfish. But the good news is that. Be- because we're wired for connection and we're empathic by nature and some people say oh well my partner doesn't have empathy oh why because there's been so much trauma and the empathy has been whatever I mean so the point is is that there are blocks sometimes and there are layers around this but as a whole we are wired to want to be in relationship to want to support each other to want to help each other so that can be a selfish thing and that means speaking up for your needs too right and so when we can just be honest and really just be who we are like you said it you know start at home and and it'll ripple outward start with yourself and with your family and and it'll ripple outward uh, but i think that's that few that we don't necessarily realize as a whole mainstream that um you know being selfish is 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 actually a good thing because if if I'm being selfish, of course I want to like take care of my kids and my family and do good in the world and contribute and you know right I mean yeah <laughs> that's selfish 
okay, great. I got my needs met. <laughs> yeah. Turns out I'm a selfish person. <laughs> yeah. Not that I'm always great at it, but, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, I love it. Well, Genev, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? I guess my difference-making tip would be to recognize that, you know, we are wired for connection and to recognize that, you know, your emotions say a lot and to not stuff them or ignore them, to do whatever you can to just feel them and to express them and to be mindful of the tremendous impact that you have on other people because, you know, we're all taught or I know I've seen a lot, you know, just, you know, you're only responsible for yourself and hmm. da 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 but um, – you know, you can, you, you reap what you sow and, um, to just, you know, recognize the, the power of connection and, um, really foster those connections. Like that is great stuff. That definitely gets, come on, come on. Jeanette, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? I guess you can all go to my website, mybestrelationship.com is uh, one of my websites, and I've got a lot of information there. If you want to read more, you want to grab a chapter of my book, um, and I want to thank you so much for having me and for being on the same wavelength here with me. Oh, it's definitely a pleasure. So, And Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, so Genevieve, your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to mybestrelationship.com, check out all the great stuff she has on her site. Thanks again, Genev. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step by step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it, and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course, and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing. Leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.